Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. We are back at the home base with our usual microphone, no yes. more mobile, and I am your host, as usual, Andrew Baker, here with my co-host, as usual, Graham Owen. How's it going, Graham? I'm ready for us to talk some more basketball. That's right. We've been promising you an NBA podcast, and we did Cavs a few days ago, and we're back with the general NBA com- conversation here a day after the most of the regular season teams played their first game. Yeah, don't worry, guys. We'll still be doing Browns podcasts, but that'll come up probably later next or early next week because we had to talk about this NBA preview because actually we're recording this on a Thursday um, after the season started. So there's already been a couple games played, but that still means there's enough time for us to give our impressions on these teams heading into the season, which is supposed to be one of the most entertaining NBA seasons we've had in a while because of the parody that has occurred. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. You did, We would definitely have a Browns podcast this week as usual after they get demolished playing the Patriots and their season looks lost. That'll be a fun podcast. I, you know, I, I really did think we left like the sad Browns podcasts in the past, <laughs> but unfortunately I have remembered that I'm still a Browns fan and the Browns are the Browns. But anyways, Always. yeah, I'm a, I think I'm more excited for this NBA season than I have been since, oh, exactly two years ago when the Cavs had a chance to win a title. But yeah. I think in terms of, Watching the NBA as as a whole, not just watching the Cavs, this is maybe the most excited I've been ever because – There's a lot of good teams. Well, the NBA the past 10 years has – the talent level across the league has been going way up and the quality of play has been going way up. But throughout that period, there have been super teams like the Miami Heat – and the Warriors, and even to a degree, the Cavs, who made the finals, you know, four years in a row. Yeah. And, you know, there was still all that talent around the league, but like you said, it's much more dispersed now. And that's the story of the season, really. The story of the season is there's no more super team. And really, you can sit here and say, we were talking about before the podcast, we agreed there's probably like eight or nine legit title contenders. Yeah. And I, I think by the end of the year, there won't be that many. But going into the season for up to 10 teams to think they have a realistic chance at winning a title is it's pretty refreshing, honestly, because I mean, look, it's a third of the I, I'm not doubting the Warriors greatness by any stretch, but it got really old talking about the same team over and over again. And <laughs> quite frankly, you know, I'm a Cavs fan, of course, so I don't really like the Warriors. Why would I, after all those years of playing them in the finals, but F the Warriors, that's right. Yeah. Pour one out for the three, one lead. They still blew mm. that no one else can, Forget about. Mm, yes. So we're going to start in the Eastern Conference, the the Junior Conference, the JV. as it is now. Yes, I would say, in my opinion, there are two and a half legit title contenders <laughs> in the East. I'll say I the, would agree. I'll say the Bucks, yes, the Sixers, yes, and the Celtics, maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't think that anyone else really has a real shot. I would say guaranteed playoff teams in the East would be Bucks. Sixers, Celtics, Raptors. I would say I would be shocked if the Nets missed it if Kyrie's healthy. Yeah. I would be shocked if the Heat missed it if Jimmy Butler's healthy. I think I'd be pretty shocked if the Pacers missed it. They always make the playoffs. I I think the Magic are really good, and that leaves the Pistons, Bulls, and Hawks missing. And I feel like the Pistons, not that I – ever thought we'd be starting our NBA conversation with the Pistons. Yeah. But I kind of thought the Pistons are that team that it seems like every year they're in that eight, nine seed conversation. And I think that <laughs> unless there's injuries, 
I don't think they're making it this year because I think the Magic are pretty legit. They're like a B minus like big three because they have Reggie Jackson and, or not even a B minus. That's being generous. Probably like a F. C. If Reggie Jackson is in the Reggie sentence, Jackson, Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin. I mean, Blake Griffin's still showing some ability, but at the same time, he gets hurt all the time now. Like he only played a, uh, you know, I think he only played sixty some games last year. He was fantastic when he played. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to probably depend on him enough games to probably keep those other teams at bay. Like you said, the Orlando magic are a team that's definitely up and coming. They have a lot of young talent led by Markel Fultz, who last night in the game against the Cavs really showed a lot of promise. And then also those, all those wings they have with Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. And then there's big men with Mo Bamba and Nikola Vucevic. Like they have all these talented players along with Evan Fournier that they just. Markel I think they can at least challenge for the eight seed. I think their talent is such, along with Steve Clifford as the coach, that they can make noise along with the Bulls if their defense can even be somewhat I think the Magic will be the sixth seed. I think the Magic will definitely make the playoffs. I I think think they're going to be the sixth seed. They could be as high as the sixth seed. I think they could even be as high as the five seed, depending on how they play. There's a lot of teams here that have really high variance because after – and really, the Raptors even somewhat have a variance because you don't if they don't start out well and they end up trading Kyle Lowry or Marc Gasol or any of those players that are expiring, that could be a very different team and they could be going into rebuilding mode with Siakam and Ananobi kind of as the leading young players on that core. So it's going to – I really – the only top, the top three is really the only three teams I see that are established enough that really should make moves to try to be contenders. And the Boston, it really would just be, you know – if everything clicks right, if Gordon Hayward gets back to his old form, if Kemba Walker can handle playing in Boston, that team does have the talent definitely to play for a title. Yeah, I the six the Celtics are weird to me. So their lineups a, good. What, what just, a lot of uh, third year, fourth year players just signed. A lot of third year players just signed their rookie extensions, and I think it's wild the variance on how much these guys get paid. So like Deontay Murray of the Spurs got four years, fifty six, and that was sixty four. It was it was like it. See, that's the problem is half these are incentive laden, so they get reported as one thing or not. But it's a, around sixty, we'll say. Okay. And then you've got for Indiana, you've got um, what's the big guy's name? I'm blanking. Now. Miles Turner. No, the other one. Oh, uh, so Sabonis. Sabonis. Demonte. So you've Sabonis. got Sabonis getting four years, about eighty to ninety. Then you've got Jalen Brown in Boston getting four years. <laughs> Like 115. What a, what a terrible and I contract. Just, like, you're telling me Jalen Brown is twice as valuable as Deontay Murray? It's insane. It, it's crazy. And so my point about the Celtics is I think the Celtics are a good team. I still think Brad Stevens is a good coach. I think J- Jalen Brown uh, is a decent player. But, like, my God, man, the contract is terrible. Be, I think he could be the third best player on a championship team, but that's not worth paying I, what you paid – like Chris Middleton, man. I don't know, man. I don't know if he can be that good. I think he's I think that's talent. his absolute ceiling. I think he had a I, higher I think, ceiling initially, but yeah, it's kind of fallen down a little bit. I think Jason Tatum is a guy who is he's a, a fine player, but he he's not special yet to me. He's a good. I, I think I think if yeah. Gordon Hayward's fully healthy, he's going to be the best player in this team. And I think that would totally change their outlook. I mean, Kemba's great. We all know that. I really like the Celtics guards. Of course, they have plenty of them. But I mean, you look at the big men for the Celtics, and yeah, it's, it's like good. it's like Enos Cantor and Daniel Tice, yeah, and a couple of rookies, and it's just like uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, they would have to make a move, I think, to get a big man to really ensure themselves well, some protection. And especially when you look at the Bucks and the Seventy Sixers, 
And the 76ers are just a massive, massive team. I mean, they're starting like six, nine and up across the board. The Sixers are just, I mean, the math, the Sixers are huge the Sixers? and they will pound you. And the Bucks also have, you know, they've got Brooke Lopez who isn't exactly like, you know, a traditional big man, but they've got Giannis and like who, who um, among those Celtics players, those wings we just discussed, who are those guys do you really think is about to guard Giannis Tenacumpo in a playoff series? Is they it Jalen Brown? Is he the best chance? He probably is. And, he's and I don't defender, think he can do it. But, yeah, he's a good defender, but I don't know if he can do it. They're going to have to make some moves during the season and really play well. I mean, their backcourt obviously is great. But like he said with Philadelphia, I mean, that team is one of the biggest teams in the league, if not the biggest oh, starting the biggest, five. For sure. And they're all multi-faceted and talented players. Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, new addition Al Horford, along with JoJo, Joel Embiid. That is ridiculous. That dude. starting five has a lot. The only thing they're really missing is they need some shooting, and that's the one big thing that I think that's going to hurt them this year is losing JJ Redick in free agency. I think that's a big loss for them. I don't think it will absolutely cripple them, but at the same time, it is a significant blow to your shooting because they really don't have a lot of proven players. They're going to have to depend on players like James Ennis and Zaire Smith on the off the bench to shoot threes. Zaire Smith is definitely kind of a, a lottery ticket type guy. We have no idea what to expect from him. Yeah. I think that Mike Scott providing some space, space excuse me, spacing off the bench is nice. But I think, I mean, if you look at the Sixers, I think their strategy is obvious. They're going to be a fantastic defensive team. Yeah. And they're going to be are. physical and they're going to out-rebound the hell out of you. I think ideally they're playing most of Horford's minutes at center. You know, I think Embiid. Which means I Embiid think needs I think play like twenty eight minutes a game. Well, yeah, I would keep Embiid in the low thirties, and same thing with Horford, and mostly kind of split their minutes up. That way, Tobias Harris plays the four primarily, and that would get you a little more shooting on the floor. But in general, I mean, it's just going to be brutal to score on them. And I think, in my opinion, they're my pretty clear favorite to win the East right now in the regular season and in the playoffs. Yeah, we can talk about the Bucks next, but. Do you do you view the Sixers as the far and away favorite, or do you view them as more of a co-favorite? I I would say they are probably the clear favorite right now, but at the same time, I wouldn't. We can't count out Milwaukee just because of how good Milwaukee is. And yeah, they've lost some depth, but at the same time, I don't think they're so clear and far ahead because they don't have much depth themselves. The Sixers they need to add some better, some more pieces on the wings. Matisse Thybul, man. Yeah, I mean he's going to be he's basically a defensive savant. You're like depending on a lot of unproven players to do it. At the same time, the Bucks are too. But I mean, it's going to be a rough season for the Bucks compared to what they've had in recent past in terms of guard play because they don't have. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was completely off the kilter after he started out strong, got that extension. Playoff Bledsoe, baby. Yeah, he got that extension. Was terrible, which I totally expected because he sucks. But you know, whatever. And then Chris Middleton got extended, but now that means that's less room in the budget for any other players, which meant Malcolm Brockton left to go to the Pacers, which created a big hole because now they're starting Wesley Matthews at shooting guard. Who would you rather pay, Bledsoe or Brogdon? Brogdon. I would have paid Brogdon and let Bledsoe go. I would too. Which would have been a lot smarter because then you would have had Brogdon with, with Giannis, but now you just have Giannis and Middleton. And Wesley Matthews is not terrible. He's a solid veteran player that used to be a great shooting guard, but ever once he got hurt, he never really recovered any of that form and just ended up being a solid role player, which he can be. But when he's your starter and you have Eric Bledsoe and George Hill as the point guards, it's going to be a lot of Giannis creating. And also, don't forget the Lopez brothers. They're on the same team. 
And I wouldn't want to mess with anybody with those both those guys on the same team. The Bucks have a lot of veterans, like like you said, Bledsoe and West Matthews is the backcourt. George Hill, Kyle Korver. I forgot about Pat Connaughton. Ersan Ilyasova. These guys are all vets that you know have quote unquote been there and done that. And I think the Bucks are going to be a dominant regular season team. The Bucks remind me a lot of the Cavaliers when LeBron was here the first time. When it was Le- LeBron and nobody. Well, yeah. So. I think that they're a dominant regular season team because they have one great player who for the Cavs was LeBron and for the Bucks is Atene Kumpo. I think they have a lot of role players that fit around those players really well. But I think in a playoff setting, I think their weaknesses get shown like pretty blatantly. And that, that happened last year against the Sixers. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, losing Brogdon's a big deal because Bledsoe throughout his career has been bad in the playoffs. And... In terms of creating offense, if it's not Giannis, Chris Middleton's not really a true creator. I think Chris Middleton's a really nice player. I think ideally he's your third best player on a championship contending team. I agree. And even though even though this is no longer a super team era, you know I think he's still a little bit lacking in terms of just you know creating those shots late in the game. And I understand they're going to count on Giannis to do that, of course, but. You know, George Hill, Corver, I think those guys are good players. The Cavs bench. The Cavs, yeah, the Cavs, ex-Cavs. I think those guys are solid players. But I think in the playoffs, I don't think they're doing a lot for you necessarily. Yeah. And I think that the Sixers have so much size and so much talent around their roster. And I, I think the Sixers, I, I, it would, I would not be surprised at all if the Bucks have a better re- record in the regular season because the Bucks know who they are and they have a system. The Sixers are going to spend a lot of time experimenting and kind of trying different things out. But I think come playoff time, once the Sixers have kind of solved a lot of their questions, I think they're going to be so dominant, it's going to be tough for the Bucks to beat them because of the lack of, you know, kind of high-end talent. I think they also have a lack of shooting as well, though, like the 76ers. Because, I mean, their starting five really only has like Middleton and Lopez that you probably really trust to consistently hit threes. I mean, Wes Matthews is not a bad three-point shooter, but beyond that, they don't have as much shooting as you would think. I mean, obviously they have Korver, but... That's one person, and he only plays like 18 minutes a game. Yeah, and Corver at this point in his career, you know, he's really limited. Yeah, I mean, he still drains threes as soon as he gets the ball, so you can't complain. Is there anyone in the East you kind of like more than the consensus? Uh, I mean, I think the Pacers are going to be better than a lot of people say they are because I think that team is just – even when Oladipo went out last year, they still had a strong run. Now, granted, they had Boyan Bogdanovich – who moved on and we'll talk yeah. about him later on the West side of the podcast. But I mean, that was a big loss for them because he was really one of their better offensive players. And without Oladipo, it's going to be falling a lot on Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner to carry the team. And Miles Turner just started kind of showing what he was going, what he could become last year. And Malcolm Brogdon has been a great player when he has been healthy, but has had health issues for a lot of his career. Yeah, how do you think Brogdon's going to do shouldering kind of the number one creator load until Oladipo comes back? He's th- never done that before. I think he has the talent. I don't know if he's going to be one of these players that's like 25, 7, and 7, but I think he could <laughs> score over like 20 points a game and average like six assists and like four rebounds. Like he, he kind of strikes me kind of like as a Bradley Beal type of player like make that kind of impact. He's a combo guard that can do both positions. He can shoot from three. He can get to the hole. He's a good shooter in general. His free throw percentage was almost 90% last year. He almost had a 50, 40, 90 season last year. So he has that capability. It's really just about him staying healthy and 
also when he'll have to make adjustments during the year once uh, people started adjusting to the way the Pacers play with him and Miles Turner leading the way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because Brogdon's one of those guys who's really excelled in a secondary role. Right. And I think kind of playing as a primary role, at least until Odipo comes back, will be very interesting to see, you know, if he can maintain a lot of that efficiency, if he can be a primary ball handler. And like you said, if his body can take the toll since he has had injury problems. Personally, I like the Toronto Raptors a lot. I don't think anyone thinks the Raptors are going to miss the playoffs, but I think they have a very legitimate shot at 50 wins. I just think that I think Pascal Siakam is just going to continue to get better. I think he's going to be I think he's going to be pretty close to a legit number one. He's still not a great shooter, but I think he's kind of like Giannis Light to where he just gets the rack with just he's at least a better shooter than Giannis from three. Right, but he gets the rack just tenaciously. He's a great defender, rebounds, passes. I think Siakam's a really really good player. I mean, obviously, you know, no shit, but. I think he's going to kind of morph into a legit number one this year, at least for a playoff team. I think Kyle Lowry is still great. They still have so many good role players and such solid depth. I just like them in general. They do. They're a little bit thin at the back end of the rotation, like eight, nine, ten kind of guys. But I think their top seven is so good. Yeah, and they know who they are. You know, they have the great home crowd. I think Nick Nurse is a good head coach. I think they're going to be. I think they may be better than the regular season the Celtics. And I don't think a lot of people think that. I don't. I think I would disagree with that just because, A, we don't know what's going to happen. with if Because if anything happens during the season and they start out like 500 and they're kind of struggling in the playoffs, we, for all we know, Masai Ujiri, who at this point now has no reason to keep this team together if they're not contending, can trade Kyle Lowry. Especially he would get more for him after they agreed to that like one-year extension to his contract. So that's definitely something that'll help make Kyle Lowry a more appealing asset to a team. Gasol. Yeah, and Gasol well, Gasol is at Even the end Ibaka. of this con. Gasol and Ibaka both expire at the end of this year, so they could at least get some assets, or they could keep whichever one of them they want to keep and let, and let that cap space roll over. Because I, I think Toronto could be a, an attractive destination for potential free agents. I don't doubt that Ujiri would – Break up the team. If it's going even, even no, I think even if they're a playoff team, I think he has the license to do whatever the hell he wants. And as we've seen, he's not afraid to take risks or to trade good players away. And I, it wouldn't shock me if he does. But I think if they don't make any trades, I think they're a legit contender for the third spot in the East. And I think they're a legit contender to upset the Bucks or the Celtics in the first round. The Bucks, you know, that would be tough. But I just think the Raptors are really good, and I think. I don't think they're championship contenders, but I think they're, you know, the best of the best below that rung. On the flip side, though, we could see something happen maybe where they take some future assets and try to get a, another player to help them in the stretch run if they do play well. So it's going to be something that's interesting to see because, I mean, the Raptors do have a decent upside. It's just their downside is also just completely rebuilding and starting over. The Raptors are pretty fascinating because, like you said, they have so many options. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that Masai Ujiri is a great GM, and he's not afraid to do things that are unconventional or kind of out there. Yeah. So I think, you know, even if they do make those trades, I think the Raptors are one of the most interesting teams, and I think they'll be really good. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a short break here and come back and discuss the Western Conference. All right, and we are back. I guess we are going to start with the Western Conference because there's going to be a lot of teams this year that are really vying for uh, the Western Conference power ranks because it's going to be a difficult challenge because really how far you advance in the playoffs for a lot of teams this year is really going to depend on where you end up finishing in the regular season and the matchups that ensue. 
because you could easily find yourself out in the first round with a lot of the teams that are in the West right now. New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento Kings, Minnesota Timberwolves, OKC Thunder, Grizzlies, Suns, Mavericks are the teams predicted right now to not make the playoffs in the West. And I think four or five of those teams would be a legit playoff contender in the East and just has almost no chance in the West. Yeah. No, I agree. I think spots what we, what we 9 is, through like 11, 9 through 12. What we need is like non-conference playoff, like 1 through four, 16 or 1 through 14 or whatever you want to do it. Like, We've talked about this forever. They should get rid yes. of conferences. And it's been discussed in the East. But the thing is, it's never going to happen because two-thirds of owners have to vote to agree to something. And the East owners would just never agree to that. Yeah, because it is a it is at a disadvantage for players when they have to travel west a lot. I mean, they could still have the or even, or even like if if a team is five games better than the team in the east, they replace yeah. them or something. I don't know. It's just they need to make a to, rule. to have all these good teams in the west that have no chance to the playoffs and have the Pistons make it every year in the east. It, it just annoys. Or me. Or they need to do more balanced scheduling where they doesn't where the conference maybe their conferences, but maybe they can also have it to where you play the teams the same amount of times except for your divisional opponents. So I think there are. Five legit contenders for the finals in the West. The Los Angeles Clippers and Los Angeles Lakers, Houston Rockets, Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets. I think the Blazers, Warriors, and Spurs are all looking pretty good as playoff teams, but I don't consider them to be title contenders. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that top five is pretty much very steady right now. I think anyone can make an argument for any one of those teams to really make it to the NBA finals because – I mean, they all have such dynamic duos, and that's really what this league has become is the league of the two, of the duo. Which is nice because those duos are a lot more spread around. It sucked when there was, oh, the Warriors have four and everyone else has one. I mean, if you want to talk about those five teams in Houston, we have Russell Westbrook, who's newly acquired, and James Harden. So they're back together after playing together as teammates in Oklahoma City for years. The Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, arguably two of the, probably the best, what, six or seven players in the league. And then you would also have the Jazz, which have Donovan Mitchell, one of the best promising young players in the league, along with Mike Conley, who is one of the most underrated point guards in the league. And maybe this year will finally get an all-star appearance. Donovan Mitchell is probably the Jazz's third best player. <laughs> calm down. I'm just saying. Bojan Bogdanovic is good, but let's, uh, let's calm down. What about down Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert might be one of their more important players, but I don't know if he's like talent-wise one of their best players. Anyways, continue. But then the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. So Yeah, I think if you're looking at these teams, I think the Rockets, Clippers, and Lakers are more star-heavy, and the Jazz and the Nuggets are more depth-heavy. Yeah, I mean, both those two teams, especially the de- the Nuggets and the Jazz, have definitely made more efforts. But at the same time, the Clippers are a really deep team, too, still. I mean, they still have players like Landry Shamit and Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell. And all these crazy – Lou Williams. Lou Williams. All these crazy players coming off the bench bench for them while they're starting five. Once it's fully healthy, will include Paul George and Kawhi Leonard along with um, – who's the center again? We got Beverly. Well, they're starting Zubats. Zubats, but, but Harrell most of the yeah, time. Montrose Hill replaced most of the minutes. And then Landry Shamit is a starting t- two-guard potentially. So, so that's a good we, we can talk about the Clippers. To me, they are my number one team – to win the title, I don't know if they're going to have the, the top seed, but I think they are 
pretty far and away my favorite to win the title, just personally. And I, I mean, this is not earth-shaking news considering they are the betting favorite right now. Although, yeah. for the first time in a long time, we don't actually have a betting favorite to where someone you know is favored to win the title. The Clippers are somewhere around plus 300 a lot yeah. of places, and that's the best odds. And like you said, I think it's really fun that any one of these teams could actually do it. But in my opinion, when it comes playoff time, I think the Clippers are pretty far and away my favorite. I mean, the Clippers have probably the uh, have one of the best combinations of youth and experience along because they have Landry Shamit, they have Montrezl Harrell as young guys, but then they also have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly. Lou Williams. Well, it's just it's so, so deep. It's so rare for a team to acquire star players and still have a great rotation around that. I well, mean, they just gave up their so future. You're looking at Leonard and George as it's really rare to have two guys that are that great offensively and defensively leading your team. Yeah. And you've got, you know, the shooter, Landry Shamit's the shooter. Beverly can shoot and defend. Lou Williams is your typical bench scorer. He's one of the best to ever do that. Montrez Harrell just gets buckets and rebounds I all day Montrez off the bench. Jamichael Green is your stretch four. They've got kind of like the, uh, you know, solid all-around wings. They've got Rodney Magruder and Mo Harris. Mo Harkless, excuse me. I, it's just, if you look at the Clippers, to me, they have a clear idea of who they are and what they're doing. And they have a great coach in Doc Rivers. And I don't think that any other team in the NBA can at all match their top end players with George and Leonard. I think that's one of, if not the best duos in the NBA. They have a great rotation and a great coach. And I don't think that anyone else in the league can say they have all three of those things. Yeah. I mean, we got, I think the Sixers are probably next closest, but the Sixers bench is not quite there to me. And neither is the coach. The Lakers have the duo. I don't know what the hell the rest of the Lakers are. I, you know, I think the jazz and the nuggets are both, well coached and have good rotations, but I don't think they have the high end star talent. Yeah, I mean, they def- I definitely agree with that. Well, first for the Clippers, I'll say shout out to Louisville players because it seems like the players that Rick Pitino coached. Yeah, <laughs> even though he is disgraced now as a former coach for Louisville, but you know he's disgraced even out of like Greece now. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, he's you disgraced know. everywhere he goes. So basically, yeah, but at the same time, he coached Montrez Harrell and he coached Donovan Mitchell recently, and those guys have become really important players for their teams in this Western conference that is so loaded. And I mean, yeah, the jazz really improved this off season. I think what they really needed the most was another offensive player that could get them buckets on a pretty reliable basis. And I think they did find that with Boyan Bogdanovich, who like we talked about earlier in the East side of the podcast came over from the Indiana Pacers. He was actually really good against the Cavs when LeBron was with us in that first round series in 2000, it was 2018. But that team, that Pacers team almost beat the Cavs. And if it wasn't for the Cavs shutting down Oladipo, that team probably could have beaten the Cavs in round one. To be fair, if LeBron gave a shit, the series probably would have been over earlier. He did. Yeah, he started caring, you know, once it was like, what, like 2-2 or something like that. It was like 2 or 3-2. And he's like, yeah, we're not losing. But, I mean, the Jazz also added Mike Conley, like I mentioned earlier. I mean, Mike Conley is a really important piece for this team because he is a really good passer and he can shoot as well, along with playing good perimeter defense. So him and Donovan Mitchell are really going to be important players for this team. It's kind of like a different version of Portland's uh, backcourt because they have a little bit more defense in there. Donovan Mitchell's not known for it, but they also have a lot of scoring back there, followed by Emmanuel Moutier as a backup, who's actually pretty good. 
And then they also have Joe Ingles in the back, Royce O'Neal. And then, like you said earlier, Rudy Gobert is one of the best, is probably the best defensive center in the league. Please don't forget to name my boy Ed Davis. Ed Davis. He's been and, in the league forever. And my boy Jeff Green. Oh, yeah. Your boy Jeff Green. Those guys are just hard hat type of players, you know? Not to be. Andrew was a huge hater on Jeff Green during the last season. That is not true. When he was with the Cavs, he was like one of the only. He had to play like 40 minutes a game in the he playoffs. He scored 18 points in game seven. He sure did. Don't you forget it against the Celtics. Jeff Green was a, is a nice role player. Love Jeff Green. I like the Jazz a lot. Yeah. I think they're going to have the best record in the West. I don't think they're going to be able to beat the Clippers in the playoffs, but it would not surprise me at all if they give them a serious run in the Western Conference Finals if it gets to that, point, that point. The Jazz have – Quinn Snyder's a great coach. Yeah, and he got an extension like he should have. They're a team season. like the Clippers to me that they have this rotation that just makes sense. They have the right combination of shooting, passing, defending, attacking. I, I really, really like the Jazz a lot. And I mean, that's how I feel about the Nuggets. Yeah, the Nuggets as well. I think – I think the Jazz may be a little bit better than the Nuggets just because I don't think the Nuggets quite have as good of defenders. I think the Nuggets will be obviously one of, if not the best, offensive teams. But I think in a playoff series, we kind of saw it last year for the Nuggets. They didn't have enough defense to kind of you know, beat some of the better teams. I, I'm not saying the Nuggets couldn't make the finals. I think they're a really good team. But, I mean, you look at it, it's like Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic – None of those guys are really impact defenders aside from maybe Millsap. Beasley's not a bad defender, though, Malik Beasley. Well, yeah, but that, I'm just saying in terms of their starting five, and they've got they've got Jeremy Grant, which is a big-time addition for them for sure. I feel but, like they only really have a couple players that are really not – that are like always in the starting rotation for them, and that's yeah. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic because yeah. those two are the – make it go. I think the rest of the team is pretty interchangeable because last year, let's not forget, Monte Morris was – was almost breaking records at some point for assist to turnover ratio, like he did when he was in college. And Malik Beasley was a, is a young athletic defender that can, isn't the best three point shooter, but he's in there for defense. And like you said, they improved last year defensively under former Cleveland Cavaliers assistant, Mike Malone. Also one of the, we miss you, Mike. I'm glad you're doing well. But, uh, and Jamal Murray showed more games than not this year as, and more games than he did the previous year that he is getting better as a player and he is becoming more reliable. And I think this year we're going to see Jamal Murray kind of ascend and be one of those players that you can count on reliably with everyone calls him the Joker, Nikola Jokic. I'm not convinced that Jamal Murray has like big time upside. I don't think to me he's ever going to be a number two on a title contending team. That's just my opinion. And if that's the case, I think he's a number three on title contending team. Then they just, they're kind of like, they kind of remind me of the, uh, in terms of talent, they remind me of the Raptors last last year. Except they don't have that two way wing. You know right. what I mean? I mean, yeah, Will Barton's not exactly a great two way player, and we don't know enough about Michael Porter yet to really have an idea. That is probably the one spot that if they wanted to make a trade and still save some of their depth, I think I could see them doing a Gary Harris trade for like a wing and seeing them yeah. improve their team like that. Because Will Barton could play shooting guard for them, and they could have a wing, an actual wing on the. Sp- 